Well, good morning, church. I hope you uh, enjoyed last week when we were all together at this time and hearing all about stuff that's all over the world, from Africa to Cayman Brac to Atlanta, Daytona, Puerto Rico. And I think sometimes when we come off of that and you hear the gospel and say, go into all the world, you're like, that's great, but I'd rather somebody else go. Uh, I don't even like leaving my driveway. Um, and sometimes there's a lot of pressure to say, how do we live Great Commission lives when uh, not all of us are going in the world. Maybe our job is Jerusalem or maybe even Samaria, but maybe not the ends. So we're going to spend a little time walking you through what is actually a four-week course. So I, have you ever gone to like a public water fountain before? There's always a risk. I'm not talking like what you can get from the water fountain. I'm talking about drinking from the water fountain. You don't know who checked the pressure on the water fountain last. So, like, I, we did Ultimate Frisbee one time, and I was, like, with these guys. They weren't Christians. They were just hanging out, doing some just relational stuff with them. And I was like, man, I, I'm thirsty. I got to go get a drink. And I walked up, and they were like, where's the water fountain? I took them over and showed them. I pushed the button thinking I'm going to be all cool. And I, that thing, like, I basically got a shower from that water fountain. I pushed it, and it went all over me. Uh, sometimes, if you've ever been in a school, you push it, and it's like a little dribble. So here's what I would encourage you today. What I'm giving you today is like a fire hose. Um, we gave you uh, these little guides that as usually like a six-week course, but it's a little fire hose. Th this has all the details in it. So if you want to go home and study the word and figure out how to actually do this, those of, or, or you know what, if you don't want to do that, you can just turn it into a paper airplane. I'm not offended. Um, entertain yourself origami during the service. But those who want to hear, here, if you want to take this home and really live it, I got to tell you, people that live as relational evangelists, we live by this text. We know it inside and out. It's what we do. So this may be new to you, but it's a way of living that you see people come to Jesus, and it's the way that Jesus showed us how to live so that people come to Jesus. And then we're going to take a pause, and we're going to have somebody share about how they do this in real life. Uh, they do this not here. They do it there. But they do it in real life, and they have the same ministry that you would have here. Because I don't know about you, but I think people at your work need Jesus, and people in your family need Jesus, and people in your home need Jesus, and people in your neighborhood need Jesus just as much as people in Liberia need Jesus, and people in Cayman Brac need Jesus, and people in Daytona and Atlanta need Jesus, and people in Puerto Rico need Jesus. Sometimes we just say, go and spread the word. Jesus will help you out. And you go, oh, I'm not spreading the word because they didn't give me any equipment. So let's stand today and read this passage from Luke chapter 10. Something you may never looked at before, you may have just passed over. This passage of Jesus sending people out to do real evangelism work. After this, Jesus appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be on this house. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. 
Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. And whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. But whenever you enter a town and don't receive you, go to its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. Let's pray. God, you don't call us just to be sheep that are saved and fatten up. You call us to go save those that are still lost. And that is hugely intimidating. Give us wisdom through your word about how you sent out these people, what you called them to do, that they came back to say amazing things were done. Open our hearts, not just our minds today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may want to keep that Bible with you as you sit down. If we were working with students or maybe certain churches, I don't know if you've been in church like this, we actually tell people to write in their Bibles. My great-grandmother was praying for me way before I was saved. I didn't even know anything about Jesus. We found her Bible way after she was passed, and her Bible was like a workbook. It was like a tool chest. It had notes in it. It had highlights in it. It had my name in the back, praying for my salvation. Didn't pray for me to get married. Pray for me to get saved. Um, that, that it is an actual tool book. And, and if you were students, we'd ask you to like mark it up. And so I'm going to walk you through this the Bible scripture and, and, and point out different parts that really have deep meaning behind it. And, and, and um, every church is a different way. We had a buddy of mine that planted a church in, the, in a community uh, over near Daytona Beach. And it, the, the church was built in a unique way. You could only come on the property one way and come out the other way. This is like this is complete chaos. You come in, you park over there, you come in this door, you come in that. You know, he would have gone crazy. He's like a type A kind of OCD kind of guy. He had one driveway in, one driveway out. And on the way out, it had a clear sign that said, you're now entering your mission field. So that every time you left the property, it said, now you're actually entering the mission field. That your job once you leave here is to be on mission. And it woke his congregation to say, this is what you're doing past here. We, we could do that here. We just have to buy like 25 because there's all kinds of sneaky ways you can get off our property, which is awesome. That means it's accessible from all sides. We have ministry sites that people don't even know are connected to the church here. That's how accessible it is. So today, we want to talk about this. When you leave the doors, what happens? And how did Jesus take these 72 followers? That means he had the 12 captains that you may know them. You may not have them memorized, but you know there were at least 12 captains that he kind of said, you guys are going to be captains, we're going to give you. But there are hundreds more, obviously, that were following him for to pull out 72. And he just says, Go. And they go for what we think was a lengthy period of time and come back. How does that happen? Let's look at the first three verses. Because a lot of times we say we're ready, like we think we're ready. I'm ready, right? I've been in enough church stuff that I could fake it. I've, I've seen enough football games that I could give them John 3.16. But Jesus gives them real clear instructions about being ready. Here's, here's what he starts with. He has 72 people, and he sends them ahead of him two by two. You think you're ready? Remember, this only works when we do it together. When we do it together, this is a worship team up here, so when the holy guitar decides not to play, the team can worship. Stop listening to Sean on the broken guitar and try and figure out where the song is. If it's just Sean solo, then they go, oh no, now he can't worship. 
Instead, they can go, man, glad we got rid of that guy. Let's listen to the rest of the band. It's a team, two by two. You Lone rangers do not work in ministry. It didn't even work on the show. He needed Tonto. If you believe you're called to do a ministry and you're doing it alone, I'm going to tell you, you're doing it wrong. Judas was alone when he betrayed Jesus. Peter and John both walked up when Jesus was on trial, but John went in to hear the business. Peter was alone when he denied Jesus. Elijah was alone when he cried out and said, God's not with me anymore. Jonah was alone in the belly of the fish. Pastor Craig has staff and deacons, and tonight we have a church council meeting. He is super spiritual, but is not doing it alone. Isolation leads to error. That's all it ever does. Because you believe yourself instead of the counsel of many. And then notice what he does in verse 1. He sends them ahead of him to where he's already going. This, this is pretty comforting because we are not the goal of sharing the gospel. We're not the goal. The right goal leads, leads to the right actions always. And we are not the relationship we're trying to establish. You want them to meet him. Have you ever been around, you may have this in your family, somebody who's a matchmaker, who kind of goes, oh my gosh, I know a girl, she's single in her 20s, and then I met another human, he's a boy, single in his 20s, they should get together. And their entire, those guys that are young adults that are singles, you guys have felt the wrath of this, where you suddenly, old people walk up to you and just say, I know somebody, you should date, and you're like, not interested, no, you should really meet them, okay. The job of relational evangelism is not to brag about yourself. It's to point toward Jesus. And so you don't have to feel this pressure that you're out there selling yourself. Your job is matchmaking. He sent them ahead where he was already going to show up. Maybe it's time you looked around your life and said, where's God going to show up in a couple of weeks? Where's God moving? Man, my neighbor down the street is really suffering with health issues. I bet even though she doesn't believe in the man upstairs, there's been a lot more prayer in that house. Maybe that's where I should go. Because Jesus is already showing up. My friend is going through a divorce. He's hurting. And I could be the mandatory guy that just ignores it and say, man up. Or I could be the guy that says, hey man, I'm here for you. He sent him into towns where he was already going to go. And then he starts speaking. It's always dangerous when Jesus talks to you. And he says this in verse 2. I'm sending you out. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You think you're ready? you got to remember that you're always going to be among strangers if you decide to live this evangelical lifestyle. It's, in fact, the point of it. The point of it is you going out to the many and living differently. You'll always be outnumbered. Population and popularity do not measure in an evangelical lifestyle. The goal is to go where you're different. The needs are always more than the workers. We need people in every area of ministry of our church. We need people in Awana. We need people in student ministry. We need, we're going to talk next week about the opportunity for you to lead a small group and those opportunities to be trained. We need people everywhere, but we are not immature in thinking that we will ever have the amount of people that we need. 
you will always be a minority. We've opened up our gym on Friday nights for the kids that are in the neighborhood. Christians are the definitive minority there on purpose, and we love it. We love it. Because when somebody comes in without shoes, I can give them shoes, like last Friday night, that some Christian donated to the church. I can hand them shoes, and they can look at me and go, why you got extra shoes around here? I'm like, it's a Jesus thing. I don't like church. Oh, no, I didn't say it was a church thing. It's a Jesus thing. And then they start going, well, who's Jesus? That's not the people that I meet. If you want to be in the majority, you are in the wrong business for relational evangelism. The early Christian church was the vast minority, and they changed an empire by reaching people one by one by one by one. And he ends with this in this, in this prepping thing. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. The first spiritual act you ever do is prayer. We are doing spiritual work, and that requires spiritual work. Got a problem with your son-in-law? The number of complaints you have in him should be vastly disproportionate to the number of hours you are praying for him. Got a problem with your boss? The list of things that you have a problem with your boss about should be minuscule in the amount of things you have prayed for him about. We are a prayer force. And then we are a ministry force. You're outnumbered. Pray for the Lord of the harvest. He knows the people that are being called. Pray for them. That's why we have prayer cards in the seats, by the way. They're not just there for decoration. They're for you to come in and say, man, I met this guy at the diner. I have no idea. I know his name is Louie. Pray for Louie at the diner. You put it in there. You drop it in the box. And we have no idea who Louie is, but we pray for Louie at the diner. Together, the first thing we do is pray. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know who I'm supposed to reach. Then pray. I feel so outnumbered. I don't know anybody at my job that might be a believer. Pray. Amazingly, you'll see somebody bump into you. Pray first. And Jesus ends this prep session with this. Go your way. Isn't that encouraging? Go your way. But behold, I'm sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. That's not encouraging. <laughs> It's on the first service. I'd rather say, like, behold, I'm sending you out like swords in the midst of jello. <laughs> you know, onward, Christian soul, you know. But he says, by the way, I'm going to send you out. You're really soft and yummy, and there's teeth out there. As you mature in your faith, you realize what you're doing is that we don't assume success when we go out on mission. We assume risk. And we're big enough. We're big enough people to assume risk because we know it's worth it. Effective outreach, discernment has to match our innocence. Discernment and innocence paired together. We're sharing with people a completely different worldview and what that means is probably the first response is going to be snapback. 
I don't know if you're in any relationships. I'm sure your marriage is much more spiritual than mine. But I find when one of us has an encouraging word for the other, that it often is not received well. Hey, clean up your stuff. You're not the boss of me. And then maybe the next day I go, I should probably clean up my stuff. I find that when, I'm in a, when we're in a worship team, we're trying to figure out what we're going to play and how we're going to do stuff, that we say, hey, let's try this. The first response of the worship team is, no, Sean, you are so musically gifted. Let's go that way. No. First song is, that's kind of dumb. I mean, we could, we could try it. How about we do a different plan? And then we go through it a couple times and we find out what God's doing. Those are believers. Imagine what it is to share the radical idea about a marriage where each person submits to each other, where people don't even know how to submit to Jesus. Imagine sharing the whole, it's fascinating to me to see on Friday night these young men who don't know Jesus correcting other young men, telling them not to swear because the pastor is near. They don't care, but they know I care. And the first time I called a tech on them for swearing, they were like, what is that? Who does that? There's a snapback. If you're going to do this, make sure you watch your surroundings and their reactions, or you're going to get eaten alive. A young missionary was sent to do some street ministry, and as he approached the young men that were on the corner in this part of the town that was pretty rough, he walked up and he said, Pagans, I want you to meet Jesus. And the oldest one pulled out a knife and said, No, you first. Paul, when he's sharing the gospel with these young believers, he said, You have not yet done what I've done. Have you been shipwrecked? Have you been beaten? Have you shed blood for the gospel? You're upset because people are rejecting you? You're just on freshman level. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. We try to remain as innocent as we can, but we're going to present something that is so radically life-changing, the wolves will come out. It shakes up families. It shakes up villages. It shakes up communities. It shakes up everything when Jesus is first. There's probably a plan, right? I mean, Jesus wouldn't send us out there without a plan. So the next couple of verses talk about this plan. You're not going to like it. Don't carry any money. Don't carry a backpack. And don't carry extra shoes. That's the first thing he says. Plan for effective ministry to non-Christians. You have to first be vulnerable. The truth is God can't deliver what you already brought along. If you're going out there and saying, God, I want you to save these people and I brought everything I need, then God's like, well, why do you need me? You seem to have everything. What am I going to provide for you? When building relationships, dependence actually builds trust. So when I was first saved in college, um, I, the next two weeks something happened with a paycheck or something. I was paying my way through where I was going and doing all this stuff. My parents have been very gracious with a lot of stuff. I was paying with a lot of other stuff. And for the, I, I came to know Jesus. The next two weeks I had no money. And I had to immediately figure out whether I trusted God to feed me, not just to feed me. And I kept bumping into people who were like, hey, you want half of this sub? And I was like, I mean, I guess if you Thanks, man. You know, there have been times when I didn't have a place to sleep where God provided a place to sleep. A meal, he provided a meal. No hope, he provided hope. Being vulnerable. 
leads to deeper relationships. I was telling the first service, we had houses that had repair work. The men that came over to repair the house with me are better friends than any small group I've ever been in. Because they were down in trenches, digging with me, making fun of me, you know, working with me. Than just sitting around talking about stuff. We were actually sharing life together. And I said, can you help me? That is a front door to an evangelical relationship. Not can I help you? You're smart. The only thing you don't know is Jesus. Can you help me with this? And they go, I've never met a Christian like that. Okay, sure, I'll help you. Then he says, greet no one on the road, which seems really rude. You know, you're like, the, the lady two doors down, Martha is sick. You're walking, and Fred says, hi. Hey, Sean. You know, like, uh, Christians are jerks. <laughs> like, no, I don't know if you've met anybody that's not from the American culture. Europeans struggle with American culture being friendly. But if you meet people from other cultures, stopping and saying hi to somebody along the road is like a three-hour process. There's deep, they care deeply about each other. Not just like, hey, how's it going? I'm good. I got a house and a car and a wife and two, you know, a dog and two kids. All right, good. No, it's a long process. And he says, if I'm sending you to a village, don't get distracted. Who is God calling you to invest in right now? And what is distracting you from that? Because I promise you, CSI New York will still be there when you're done. It'll replay later. But they may not be open to the gospel right now. He continues on. Whenever you get to a house, the first thing to say is peace. And if there's peace there, it'll rest on it. And if not, it'll return. Are you a hope bearer? When people complain about their life, their job, their spouses, and their children, and their health. Are you the first person to complain along with them? Or are you the first person to say, I still see hope there? My wife's just lousy. No, I think she's awesome. I hope you can work it out. My job, I hate my job, but look at all the impact you're having. Your mouth determines what you proclaim. Are you bearing hope? People know they're broken. They've just given up on being whole again. There are probably parts of your life that are broken and you've just given up on God healing it. And so you just speak negatively about it. God's never going to work there. God's never going to work there. And therefore, God never works there. He says, go out and the first word when you walk in the house should be peace. Man, there's such potential for peace in this house. It's very hard to do. Because you can point out sin just like everybody else can. But that's not your proclamation. All right, here's the part I don't like. Verse 7. Remain in that same house. Eat and drink what they provide. Don't go from house to house. And when you're in a town, eat whatever is set before you. Can I be honest with you? And the balcony is not going to like this. And the back row is not going to like this. I don't like Starbucks or Chick-fil-A. I know that's sinful words. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot this section will hate me too. How effective do you think I'm going to be in student ministry not going to Starbucks and Chick-fil-A? Mm -hmm. 
So against every urge I have, when we go out on a road trip, at least once, we're going to stop by Starbucks and Chick-fil-A. You know why? Because my job is to reach them, not to have them satisfy me. Figure out the relationship. If you're trying to reach somebody that doesn't know Jesus, you've got to sometimes eat stuff that they don't. Do you ever have that family member that cooks up that meal you don't like? That's just like entry-level missionary. Be a real missionary where they lay something that you think should be in the jungle and you're supposed to eat it. Do not let your taste ruin your testimony. Do not let your taste, as long as there's not sin involved, as long as they're not saying, hey, come on, I want to get to know you, let's do heroin together. You know, hey, come on, see this thing. It's, no, as, as long as it's something you don't like to do. Man, I have invested in people going, doing stuff I never want to do, and then I see God show up because I do what they want to do first. They talk to me about their life, and I don't want to hear about their life because I've got complaints about my own life. But me spending time with them and listening to them, they talk about their life, you say, oh, my gosh, I want to fit in your world. And eventually they learn to trust me. So that the one word I say, Jesus, is heard way louder than if I just went in and told him to be like me. Part of a difficult generation where we believe that we need to get the non-Christians in the church rather than get the Christians out to where the non-Christians are. If we just get them in here, Craig will throw a spiritual bomb and they'll suddenly get saved. We don't have to do any prep work. We don't have to invest in them. Don't let your personal taste ruin your testimony. Plan to be effective in ministry is to be in their world. It's difficult, though, because we send you out in their world and we say, like, you guys should probably know what to say, right? You're like, I guess. <laughs> I sort of can, I can kind of mimic what I heard in the sermon and hope it relates. The message is critically important. There was a guy in New York City, a street pastor. He was, he was on the corner just yelling to everybody. You may have seen these guys that have this ministry. And it is a ministry in, in some ways. I've seen people respond to it. And he was just yelling, hey, it's time to repent. The Lord is coming back. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And there's this older lady who's a professor. She's walking around the corner away from him, you know, obviously avoiding that. <laughs> and she yells she didn't have her dentures in. So she yells, I don't have any teeth to gnash. This guy like sat there and he was, he was struggling, struggling with it. And finally, he, he just turned and yelled, teeth will be provided. She was long gone. I, I don't know if you've had that situation. I've had that situation where the perfect answer for an argument comes a day late. Somebody says something to you and you're like, yeah, you stupid face, you know. And you're like, man, I could have said this. I could have said this. Jesus says real specifically what you bring. Not, not the words of the gospel. We know the words of the gospel. There is one and only one Savior. His name is Jesus. He's the Son of the Lord Almighty. He showed up in flesh. I am broken, and he's the only one that can fix that brokenness. I don't get any credit for it, but I get all the benefits from it. And he's not still hanging on a cross. He's risen from the grave, and he will return to bring peace and joy and love in a kingdom that will not end. Those are the words. Jesus says, here's the real message, the last verses. 
heal the sick. It's really easy to be an ambassador for Jesus, just be a healer. Talk is cheap. Change is respected. And a gospel life heals places where there's hurt. Even if the person healed doesn't respond to the message. We know this. When people are rescued from a car wreck, they glorify the firefighter that brought them out or the policeman that brought them out. Are you a healer? Do you go into people's lives and say, no matter what I get out of this, I'm going to help restore this, even if you reject me and the one who I come in. My first thing is to say, there is hope for your marriage. There is hope for your job. There is hope in your heart. There is hope with your mental issues and your struggles emotionally. There is hope. Healing is here. And then he says this, and then the next word you say is after there's healing, you say, God's so close. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's easy to just start with what's in front of you. God's right here is the message they shared. God's not far away. I love talking to men. Men, you guys know this. You have a whole bunch of buddies that when they talk about life, they say, well, the man upstairs, you know, God's way out there. I just trust myself to the man upstairs. No, I trust myself to Jesus who's working in and through me with the Holy Spirit. I don't trust myself to some magical man upstairs that hopefully I get the lottery right. How can I help where you're hurting? And do you know how close Jesus is? That's the message. It's not the words. It's the message. Verse 10 and 11 talk about when you don't win all the time. And I don't know about you, but the more you do ministry, you see that you don't win all the time. God's still glorified. But he says this, there come a time when you may have to stand up and say, I can't do anything else. Either the enemy's gotten in there or the message has gotten lost. And you need to figure out how to let go when you have to. The truth is your season of outreaching to someone sometimes comes to an end because there's someone behind them that needs you reaching in. And you only have two hands. (laughs) I pray you exhaust yourself reaching someone with the good news of Jesus Christ because it's the only thing that matters. But I also pray that you have a peace about releasing it when it's time. And the last words are just like the first words. When you release somebody, you say, I believe God's here still for you. I had a girl in ministry when I was young and saved and naive Every time she walked out of ministry, she was involved in Satanism and a lot of stuff, that scary stuff. And every time she left, she just looked me right in the eye and said, I hate you. And I was dumb and naive enough in Jesus to believe there was going to be change in there. And I said, it's okay, Jesus loves you. And I'm talking two years of every week at a part-time ministry, working my tail off to just maybe get the message across to teenagers. And if they walked out, everything, the last word of the night would be, I hate you. 
And I just automatically say, it's okay, Jesus loves you. And after two years, I was like, I got to just give her up. I got to just hand her over. We had a retreat, and I invited two of my buddy came and shared the gospel. And I said, I can't, this is your ministry now. I can't handle it. She gets saved on that weekend. Talks about how amazing my buddy is. What a great pastor he is. How he shared the gospel and got, let her see Jesus. See, Jesus was already coming into that town. I just need to get out of the way. I just need to get out of the way. Here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to pray. And then if you can give us a second, we're going to turn off all the cameras after I pray when I say amen. Because we want somebody to share about how this works in real life. And the ups and downs of doing this. But in order for them to share, we can't risk their life or the people who they, they reach. So if you're a social media person, put down your phone. Don't even try it. This is for you as believers to hear how this works in the real world. There are great victories. There are also deep hurts. But in all of it, the gospel goes forward. Let's pray together. Father, we trust that you trust us. We don't know why we're broken and sinful, but you, just like these 72, you send us out. Help us to, to pray first. Help us to leave other things behind. Help us to share healing in a world that's so broken. And to share the message of you and you alone. Lead our hearts, which is what you want. Lead our hearts to your throne room. So that we can live a life that shares your gospel with a world that is hurting and sometimes dangerous. Open our ears now as we hear from someone doing that so that we can hear what you have for us and we can join her in praying for her ministry and the work you do there. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll wait just a